Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Gunner and Ailish filling in for Justin this morning and all next week. Mm-hmm. Get, to get your feet wet. Go have a weekend and come back. I, I do not pick favorites between you guys. I love co-hosting with both of you, and I you will not drag that. me into this. I'm nope. uh, picking a favorite, favorite child. You will not do it. I love that. It's right on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clip that. <laughs> uh, one of our favorite guests joins us. And he's in our insider, who's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Will Lou, host of the Raptors show. Will, how's it going this morning? What's going on? Oh, you know, we're living in the uh, the new era of our newest Toronto Raptor. Um, we've been choosing our I words. I know why you paused. We've been, we've been choosing our words carefully <laughs> is what we've been doing, Will. That's what we've yeah. been doing this morning. Grady Dick. Grady Dick. What do we know about Grady Dick, Will? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not going to say it's it's quite straightforward, but, you know, a lot of it is pretty straightforward, right? Like, he is arguably the best shooter in the draft, mm-hmm. and the Raptors arguably had the biggest need for shooting pretty much in the whole league. Um, obviously, everyone wants to get more shooting, and, you know, it, it's it's probably not the pick that a lot of people would anticipate with the Raptors, given the fact that under Masai and Bobby for the last decade, like, you know, we've seen them draft in the other direction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, great athletes who... I have questionable shots and you could just look at some of the recent picks like, you know, Scotty at four or like Delano Banton and, you know, work your way backwards from there. And, you know, you don't find a lot of guys like Grady Dick who comes in immediately with um, a very, very skilled shooting profile. Like he's, he's able to shoot on the move. He's able to play on the catch. He's a great off ball mover. You know, you just have to watch the, any sort of highlight reel with him for about five minutes, you'll mm-hmm. get the exact idea. This guy can really shoot the ball, and um, yeah, the Raptors really needed that. So it is it is a little bit odd to see them draft for fit because typically what they'll always say is um, we draft best player available, and maybe best player available is also the best fit available sometimes, but um, it is a departure from sort of the way they've drafted in the past, but you can definitely see a clear avenue to um, how a guy like Reddy could get minutes pretty much right away. I mean, both him and Bobby last night talked about how, you know, they want to make immediate impacts. Do you think that the pick, like, I I don't think they necessarily go away from this guy if Nick Nurse is still the coach, but do you think the coaching change and not having it be Nurse, who, let's be honest, like, it takes a long time for him, slash, if he'll ever trust a, a, a young player and actually work them into the rotation, do you think that having a guy like Coach Darko, who obviously, you know, development is a big, big part of, of what he was brought in here to do, do you think that kind of tipped them in one direction or another versus a straight best player versus a guy who kind of fits better because maybe there's more of a direct path to playing under coach Darko as opposed to what we would have had if, if nurse was still here. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see the case, right? Because it felt like with Nick, um, you know, if you didn't defend um, you, 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 there was pretty much no path to getting on the floor. And I think the defensive concerns of Grady Dick is going to be real. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of a skinny guy, um, a little bit light. He's got good height. Like he, he's six foot eight. And you know, that is good requisite hype. Um, and he's got good hands, but you know, you do wonder like how he's going to hold up defensively. Um, I wouldn't even say he was a positive in college defensively, but then again, he was a freshman, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how many freshmen are dominating on defense right away, especially when you play for a great school like Kansas. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think with Darko, look, he talked so much about his offensive system, um, you know, which was his responsibility in Phoenix and also in Memphis as well. 
And one of the core principles of sort of playing, you know, with 0.5 basketball, like, you know, you, you have half a second to make a decision between are you shooting, are you driving, or are you passing it? And I think, you know, to make that kind of system work, it looks a lot better when you have shooting. Um, and so I, I think there is more of a path for Grady to to sort of get on the floor based on that. But just like with any coach, you can't be a defensive liability to the point where, you know, you come into the game and everybody just isolates against you. Like, it's going to be very difficult for Grady himself to get on the court for any meaningful amount of time if he doesn't improve his body and improve his defense. But again, that that's typical of almost any rookie. And, um, you know, the only thing I would say with Nick is like, you know, he, he did play Scotty a ton. Now, obviously, Scotty came into the league with like, an NBA ready body, mm. um, and so there wasn't too many concerns about that. Um, but I, I am thinking about guys like you know, like Terrence Davis. He wasn't really that strong of a defender, but he came into the game and because he could shoot, he would play in the in the probably teens typically for for Nick back then. Um, and the reason it was in the teens is is you know because of the fact that he was the poor defender. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, at the same time, I think more than anything else, it's it's about the fact that. You know, Grady brings a, a, a unique skill to the Raptors, especially his movement shooting. I think that's the biggest thing, too, because you have guys who can hit threes and, and sort of stand still or even pull up, and there's such a variety of them. Grady's one of those guys that is able to use screens well off the ball. He's not going to have the ball all that much, but he's going to work to get himself open. And you, you see it like, I think the idealized version of that is what we saw with in the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. It's like, when you have these shooters that constantly move and cut off of the big man that they're able to play with, it creates a lot of stress for the defense and it opens up a lot without even having the ball in the first place. And I think that's what got the heat in particular to the finals is guys like, you know, Max Drews, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, Jimmy Butler, even to a lesser extent, working off the two-man game with um, Bam Adebayo and that really causing lots of problems for pretty much the entire Eastern Conference. So um, I'm looking to sort of replicate a lot of those actions uh, now that the Raptors have a a genuine off-ball movement shooter. So you mentioned he's got uh, a unique set of skills on the court, but certainly off the court. TikTok connoisseur, this red Wizard of Oz tribute suit that at first, before he was drafted, I was like, this guy's something else. And now I'm obsessed. Like, it's changed so Uh rapidly. Um, Obviously, the name, everything about him seems to be like an invigoration of uh, youth and excitement into this Raptors organization. Uh, What do you make of just him, the person, Grady Dick? And how quickly will you be annoyed? You're allowed to say very soon yes oh i was annoyed immediately in the draft room yesterday <laughs> with all the reporters uh you know i i'm actually one of the younger you're people just so there. mature though no but there's a lot of like 50 year olds in there and everyone immediately was kind of like cracking jokes <laughs> I, I think you know what the funny thing with that is like i think that factors into sort of his his personality mm-hmm. um just the fact that he has the name right and i think that with um with that aspect, it's sort of just like if you're gonna, t- you can, I don't know if you can take yourself that seriously or like yeah, walk around with like it. a. It's tough. Exactly, and I think he leans into it. I think, um, but I mean, yeah, for him, like, you know, he he seems to be a well liked player, sort of wherever he went. I mean, I think even as a freshman, he was able to like integrate pretty seamlessly with mm-hmm. his team and comes from a strong background. His mom played um, professional basketball. Mm-hmm. His dad, I believe, was a football player. So good genes there, but. Like, I'm looking forward to, you know, learning more in the course of the coming weeks about sort of just, you know, his family background, especially because his apparently his mom in the last year at Iowa State averaged like 40 points per game. Mm-hmm. She's like and baller. And really taught him how to shoot. Yeah. yeah, she was a pure baller. So, like, I, I'm, I'm curious to see sort of where that comes from. But, I mean, I, honestly, I think he's 
um I don't know. I don't think it's too unlike most 19-year-olds in terms of making <laughs> That's what I said to Gunnar. I was like, this is, it seems shocking to us now, but every single year at the draft, it's going to be like, oh my God, more and more Gen Z-esque people. And I think we just have to stop feeling old and just lean into it. That's what <laughs> yeah, it just, is. Yeah. yeah, lean into it. Um, you know, obviously you want to see that seriousness approached on the court. Yes. But I mean, again, I, I don't think TikToks, you know, prevent you from doing that. There's actually a really infamous TikTok of, um, and a very cringy one, I must add, of Nikola Jokic <laughs> at All Star Weekend. Just look it up if you haven't. Seen oh, it I, I even I know. I'm, I'm like yeah, the world. You know I am right? the world's yeah, yeah. least foremost TikTok e- expert, and even I uh, have have been uh, assaulted visually uh, with with that one there. Uh, in terms of this team. You know, there, there is still something missing here. And, you know, I know Fred Van Vliet uh, can come back, maybe likely will come back. Uh, still a big-time lack of guards on this team. You know, I understand yep. this is this is not 1992, and you don't have John Stockton dribble it up and get into your set. I understand, you know, Scotty Barnes can carry the ball. He can pass. Pascal Siakam can bring it up. But, you know, this has been a problem for a while for, for this team now. Obviously, like we said, they drafted for a need. It just wasn't that one. Uh, is that something the team needs to address? And how much of that is addressed if it's simply just Fred coming back? Yeah, I don't think it's that addressed if it's just Fred coming back. I think, you know, they, they had depth issues on that front. I mean, I, I suppose you still want to see if one of those backups can give you something. But again, like, that's such a big question mark, right? I mean, um, you could say that, like, maybe Nick wasn't developing or giving them any opportunities for players to develop in the first place. But, you know, at the same time, in all fairness to Nick, like, when guys like Malachi and Delano came in, there was no consistency in their game. Um, and they couldn't find anything, you know, there. Jeff Down sort of came on towards the end of the season, but that's a two-way contract where, you know, we'll see if the Raptors even re-sign him in the first place. It sounds like they will, but, um, you know, you might want to give a chance there. But I think overall, like, you definitely do need to reinforce, you know, that position. And I think more than anything else, it's like maybe not even the position, but the skill set, right? Like, I think just the Raptors having skilled ball handlers who can really, you know, uh, break down a player one-on-one or even get, you know, into the paint where you can cause some problems and and, and kick out. Um, there's just not enough of that on the team. Um, even Fred, I wouldn't even say that's the best thing that, or his strong suit necessarily, but he's among the league leaders in drives per game simply because of the fact that the Raptors don't have a lot of other drivers um, to sort of create, you know, that north-south uh, action on, on the floor. And so, um, yeah, I, I would love to see the Raptors uh, add more in terms of guards. I think... Um, yeah, I suppose they had a chance to around the 13th pick. A lot of guys were sliding. Cam Whitmore was mm-hmm. like the biggest. Um, Why do you I think he so went bad. to 20? That was surprising. Yeah, I felt kind of, I felt so bad for him. I mean, like there's always going to be guys who slide at the draft. And, mm-hmm. and you you saw, you know, even with the Canadian letter, Miller, he, he, he slid to the second round, early in the second round. But like Cam Whitmore, people were talking about him potentially as number four. And yeah. he got all the way down to 20. And so he was potentially an option, I suppose. I, and there must've been red flags or anything like that. Um, I don't think he worked out with the Raptors either. Cause I don't mm. think they anticipated him dropping. Um, but like, you know, they had a, there's guys like Kobe Bufkin who, um, you know, when you watch a lot of these YouTube breakdowns, you get really attached to certain guys mm. without really knowing like Tim much of anything. I loved, but, he, he was going suit jacket, no shirt, told me everything I needed <laughs> to know. And I loved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the theme of last night was just big chains, man. I mean, like, was there oh, like yeah. a jeweler sponsorship? There should the have been place? a missed opportunity. If not, <laughs> it's all their yeah. NIL money. Like these kids are rolling in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like, I got to get a chain. Like, I don't know. Looks good. I, I suppose. Yeah, no. Um, well, I mean, 
in, in any case, like there were, there were lots of little, these guards available at the draft, and potentially they could have gone that direction. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I do think that um, they did address their other major weakness, which is shooting. And honestly, with the league trying to trending up in terms of size, like if you can get more shooting from a bigger player, that's always more valuable than going with a guard who you would typically anticipate bringing shooting to the team. I suppose they also drafted Marcus Noel or mm-hmm. signed Marcus Noel to a second round uh, or the two way deal. That was kind of exciting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, who knows? Obviously, he's like five foot seven, five foot eight. If, if he succeeds, it would have to be like an Earl Boykins kind of situation <laughs> or Nate Robinson. I, and he's not athletic as, as like Nate, but um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he gives you something. But then again, again, it's it's like a complete shot in the dark when you're talking about someone who's who's that small. Even though I do find his game to be very like exciting to watch. There's a lot of moxie with that kid. Yeah, and like we just talked about, not that they're gonna you know shoehorn him in there or anything, but there's an opportunity if you prove yourself to be a capable sure. guard on this team. It's definitely something they they've looked at. Uh, obviously, we're talking a ton about the draft last night, rightfully so. The other piece of news coming out of it, surrounding it, Pascal Siakam not interested in talking extension. Should there be a trade there how do you think this all plays out you know uh, with the exception of him everybody else's contract situation is going to be figured out heading into the, this season you know he's still going to be some somewhat up in the air there how do you expect it to play out with the Raptors and Siakam and you know does it all just go back to the question we continue to ask or at least I continue to ask around in this team is if he's your best player just how how far are you capable of going yeah, no, that's completely fair. I mean, I, I do think that the Raptors need to add talent at the very top. Um, and I think in an idealized situation, Pascal is your number two option, not necessarily your number one option. But, I mean, the reality of the, of the roster as is is that he is the best player, you know, and um, I wouldn't even say necessarily the team goes as he goes, but obviously, you know, when you are the number one player, like people are going to really lean heavily on you. I mean, in terms of the reporting that went, went out yesterday from Chris Haynes in the, short, in the eve of the draft, I mean, First of all, I, I do think it's a little bit um, unusual. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that caught the front office off guard. Um, with a player like Pascal, if the trade rumors were real, and, and honestly, you know, everything is discussed around the time of the draft, there were no untouchables. Like last year, you know, when the Raptors were rumored to be in Kevin Durant, like I think they did relent on saying, yes, yeah, we will give you Pascal. Um, and obviously, whatever, those trades didn't actually materialize. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is not on the Raptors, but... Still, like, you know, it, it it is one of those things where it'll get discussed pretty much every time when, you know, trade deadline comes around or, you know, the draft comes around. But to my knowledge, I don't think the Raptors were actually that deep in conversations in trading um, Pascal. Um, but I do know that, like, certain teams who wanted to reach out and engage Pascal's interest in not just coming to their team via trade – but also like getting extended because teams would want reassurance that Pascal would be at least open to extending there. My understanding is that he turned them down and and told them essentially like, you know what, if I get traded to here, like I won't um, sign the extension, which then became vocalized through Chris Haynes. Um, I mean, typically you could just do that through back channels. You know, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to sort of blast it out like that. But again, like, I think the the bottom line is that you, you you have somebody who really does want to be committed to Toronto and, and stay in Toronto long term. Now you could say, you know, there's there's potential financial gain to that, right? Like mm-hmm. if he makes All NBA again, like he can make Supermax. I don't think the Raptors are giving him Supermax, quite frankly. Um, I think that uh, the new CBA coming in and also the cautionary tale of a guy like you know Bradley Beal, like you don't want to give Supermax unless you have one of these like top five players. Like you, you better yeah. have Nikola Jokic, you better have Giannis, you better, you better have Steph Curry. So. Um, I don't think they were going to give him Supermax in the first place, but I don't think it was a case of just him getting a 
quote-unquote bigger deal in Toronto. I think the, the other thing is that he has a lot of plans and he has a lot of commitments here to the city, you know, charitable initiatives, all that kind of stuff. He's planned a lot of it being here. And so to see a player actively not want to leave Toronto, I'm not, I'm not saying that's unique, but, um, you know, it, it kind of is like the anti-Kawhi yeah. in, in a way. In a way. I'm, obviously, he's not on Kawhi's level, but it is also, also a bit refreshing to see star players publicly... Yeah refuse to leave yeah how can you how can you kill a guy for that it's all we all we ever do is do the opposites you have to uh c- commend him there you know obviously yeah. you touched on the idea of this team the you know the best way to get back to title contender status is to have pascal siakam be the second best player on it uh the i think simplest path to that not saying it's simple at all is to have scotty barnes take a big leap how much can that happen while the two guys are playing together? We talk about fit all the time, and I think sometimes it gets overplayed because guys who we don't think of as clean fits have worked out well in, in this league before. Uh, do you think Scotty Barnes can become the best version of himself if he's uh, sharing the floor and sharing the ball with with Siakam just with the way they mesh together? Yeah, no, I think the obvious concern is shooting. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I, I think that um, Scotty is so young in his development that I haven't, not that strong my idea of what he's going to ultimately be in this league. Like, is he going to be a guy who has the ball in his hands all the time and initiates every play and, and, you know, it's like a Giannis type, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, You know, is he going to develop more as a shooter and play more off ball? Is he going to be more physical and bulk up and really dominate down low? Like we just don't really know. So I think that really comes down to um, how Scotty's personal development goes. And, um, you know, we'll see like in terms of just, um, like his current skill set, for example, uh, his current profile as a player, uh, as a complementary piece with Pascal, or sort of as Pascal being his complementary piece, it's not an ideal fit. But at the same time, I think it really depends on sort of how Scotty's going to grow. And I think that um, until he really shows you very definitively which direction of a player he's going to be, and so he's sort of this mystery box right now, and we kind of just imagine what he's going to be and, and, and then sort of expect that to come true rather than sort of like adapting our expectations based on what he actually shows. Um, you know, until he really gives us some clarity in terms of which way he's developing. Like, I actually don't want to make too many rash moves. Mm. Again, I think I appreciate the fact that uh, a guy like Pascal, who is, you know, top seven or eight forward in the league, you know, uh, two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, most improved NBA champion, you know, is still in his 20s wants to resign. Like, I, I don't think that the Raptors should throw away or not even throw away, but look to cast away talent like that lightly. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to see Scotty continue to develop. And I don't think Pascal is in his way. I think more than anything else, like once he gets better as a player, then the Raptors will have more options and decisions to make. But uh, I think the next step is really just thinking about like, is Pascal going to, you know, come to the table with the extension or more importantly i think it's pretty clear he wants to i think it's it's more it's like will the raptors come to the table with an extension and right now obviously they got to finish out this drafting process and sign all their guys and then go into free agency and they have some major free agents there um and of course they had just hired a coach so i'm sure I'm, you know they haven't discussed extension yet but uh, at the same time you can understand that the front office has other things to deal with um, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out probably towards the end of the summer. Yeah, you guys have lots to talk about. It's Will Lou, host of the Raptors show. I just want to get uh, your level of confidence that in 2055, Alex Wong will be wearing a Grady Dick jersey at Coachella. <laughs> I, I Honestly, well, it's one of the things we talked about, man. Yep. First off, the jersey sales are going to go through the roof. It's insane. 
Um, especially if he picks a particular number, mm-hmm. but we're not going to let him go there. Um, you know, maybe more of like a hockey number, maybe more of like a football number, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, I know. No, no. Uh, I want, no, I, actually, I tried I'd, to make one I'd of those like last I'd like you to elaborate. Night. Well, I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> like 23 times three kind of oh, scenario. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe three times the player that Jordan is, you know what I mean? Um, no, but I mean, I think it, it you know, look, it, it's definitely it's a, a prime, like, uh, Oceaga fit. Maybe not a Coachella fit. Yeah. Mm. Depends on how big of a player he I gets, like you know, in yep. the States. But yeah. I can't wait to hear you guys break it down um, on the Raptors show. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on, buddy, and uh, enjoy your weekend. And, we'll and I'm sorry in. just yeah. as well. Like, thank you for be, this, oh, no. but yeah, I'm sorry. You're rolling your eyes a lot, but you know what? We, we're just living in the moment, so enjoy it. You got to have fun with it. You, you know Grady it. does. Yeah, oh, for sure. We know he does. That TikTok feed is awesome. Uh, Will, thanks for jumping on this morning. Appreciate you guys. That's Will Lou, host of the Raptors show and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. We are just very generous on Fridays. We love our listeners. We love Billy Talent. So we're doing a second Billy Talent ticket giveaway because why not? It's Friday. Bud stage, July 8th. We're giving away one last set of tickets on our show. So text in right now. River below to 59590. The code word is river below. 59590. There's a space between river and below. I see when people text it in wrong on the text line, and I just want you to win. River slash below. If you don't win with us, make sure you visit ticketmaster.ca to secure your tickets to Bud Stage, July 8th, Billy Talent. All right, we got a couple guests lined up still on the show, so we'll take a break. We got Bill Merrifield, former pro baseball player, and of course, dad to Wit Merrifield current assistant athletic director at Wake Forest. They lost last night at the College World Series game to LSU in the semifinals, but we'll brush over that fact. We'll talk positives with Bill. And then Jeremy Case, Kansas Jayhawks assistant coach, will help us unpack the Grady Dick experience, what he was like as a player, and the Raptors are excited to add him to their roster. And we'll do a baby, baby, baby wake and rake. Get those picks in. For the end of the show, it's Gunner and Ailish on Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Gunner and Ailish wrapping up your week. We got some... Great guest. Daniele loves putting some hard hitters here in the final block to kick us off before we go on our way. It's Bill Merrifield, current athletic assistant athletic director at Wake Forest and dad to our very own Whit Merrifield. How's it going this morning? It's going great. How are you? It is so great to have dads on the show. We love talking to dads because just we know the little pride in your voice and it's it comes across very nice on the radio, so we'd love to talk to you about your son, Wit and his journey here um, with the Toronto Blue Jays. He's had a great start um, thus far with us here, and it just um, we know we uh, had a great story about Shai Davidi, and I'll get into that as well, um, that wrote about your relationship with Wit when he was you know, contemplating his journey in baseball. But more broadly, what's it been like just to see Wit finding his own here with the Blue Jays? You know, it's fun. It's, uh, it's a little bit surreal to watch your kid do live out childhood dreams and uh but you know he's in his what seventh year seven and a half years now in the league and um so his mom and i are kind of used to you know going to really nice places to see and stay in really nice hotels with him and um 
so we've been spoiled a little bit and uh but it's it's so much fun to see him um now in this uh era of his career to you know to take on friendships with with uh, guys like Bo and um you know Chappie and and Danny Jansen and and those guys that um you know have have seen him play and um you know prior to to joining the Blue Jays and uh, it's just fun for him to create new friendships and, and memories that he's going to take away from baseball. And uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, it really is. I mean, baseball is great, and you're working for a championship and all that kind of stuff. But the relationships that you you know, you know garner through the career is, is what it's all about. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly is. And, you know, I, I, you know I'm a parent myself. Uh, my, my, just a little younger than yours. Mine's two and a half. Uh, so, but it is special <laughs> to watch them grow up. And I wonder what it's been like for you to not watch Witt grow as a baseball player. I mean, you've, you've been seeing that your, your entire life, watching him take strides year over year. And as he climbs levels from high school to college to the pros, what does it mean for you to see him grow kind of as a person, to go from being the bright-eyed kid in Kansas City and he's taking it all in and I'm, Imagine he's telling you and mom, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe what it's like. And you're saying the exact same thing to now he is a vet on this Blue Jays team that has all this sexy young talent with big league pedigree. And what's it been like for you to just just kind of watch him grow up, not in the baseball regard, but kind of the the place he holds among his team? Yeah, he's um, you know he's he's a he's a great he's grown into a, a, a great young man and um, and that we're more proud of that than we are anything he would do in the sports arena and you know he's got a, he's got a great wife they're start going to start a family here soon and you know they've they chosen to live three miles from us he could have lived anywhere in the world and mm. you know they built a house just down the road from us and. Um, that means a lot, you know, when when you can raise a, a family and they all want to stay close to home. Um, you know, I think to to my to Kissy and I, that is the greatest compliment you can give a parent. You know, that they want to be they want to be close and they want their kids to be close to you. And um, you know, watching him become that man and and build a house and go through the trials and tribulations of of those kind of things. Um, it, it, it's been fantastic. It really has, and it's been everything we've seen. Um, I'm just happy that, that he's living out his childhood dream so he can transition into his adulthood, um, you know, with all of the, you know, all of the uh, dreams that he had as a kid. Uh, he can he can put those in his memory bank and, and go on and do other things, you know, as a grown man and harness those relationships uh, that, are so hard to come by those friendships that we all, we all look for, you know, in our professional world and in our personal world. And, and I think he's got that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so proud to watch him do that every day. I specifically love that you have grown maybe a, a family of Blue Jays in the background. Um, <laughs> those must be Blue Jays that you've planted um, in your in your backyard because they sound beautiful this morning. Um, we are jealous of uh, the uh, the outside world that you must be living in. Um, we are talking to Bill Merrifield, the uh, current uh, assistant athletic director at Wake Forest, and of course, Dad to Wit. So I, I teased the um, article that our own our own Shai Davidi wrote about your relationship, and it was her father's day. It was really lovely. So just last week. Um, and he highlights a story where, you know, Witt nearly retired from baseball during some time in the in the Royals minor league system. And I know you, a former pro yourself, have had some history yeah. in, in, up and down in that league as well. So I wonder, 
the the fine line of of being a father and being a former player and trying to push your son in the right direction but also you know having to to listen to their hopes and aspirations and maybe the tougher time that he was in there and just what that conversation was like and obviously when you look back it clearly worked well and he's he's doing really well of course with us and the Blue Jays in his time but just that moment where he was at a pivotal part in his career and and what it was like being a dad and a coach and someone that helped him get to this point yeah I, it's funny we we never kissing i never pushed him to do anything right i never um from a baseball standpoint i never asked him to, uh, told him he needed to go take 100 swings or go take ground balls or whatever it was and you know we made him come to us and uh, if he wanted to go practice, I was ready anytime he wanted to go. Um, so I think that created a little bit of the love that he has for the game. And, and that was true across all the sports because he played football and basketball as well. And, you know, we just never pushed him. So when the time came for him to, you know, decide whether he was going to want to go play professional baseball or not, I just, I just painted the, the landscape for him. I told him what was going to happen. Um, I told him almost <laughs> verbatim what was going to happen when he got out there. <laughs> and, and so he was prepared when he went out, and he, he went in with eyes wide open. And I, I think when he got to that fork in the road, whether he wanted to continue or not, again, it was one of those things where uh, we just said, look, we're going to support you 100%. No matter what you want to do, we're, we're, we're all in with you. But whatever you choose – you can't go back on it. You have to be committed and know that you take your cleats off, you're done. I mean, baseball is going to go on without you. You know, this isn't a Whit Merrifield world. This is, you know, this is baseball. And uh, so it, it's, it was just a, it was an easy conversation to have because we didn't live vicariously through it. You know, we, we really just enjoyed him. We enjoyed his, his progress. Um, we understood his trials and tribulations because we lived it. Because he and I both lived it in the minor league system, and so we just wanted to be there for him and and help him make a decision that he could live with or, with the rest of his life. And and he did that. And you know he wasn't ready yet to finish, and uh, went back and did what he had to do to to get to the next level. And um, you know, and here we are. What is that? Thirteen years later, and or however many years later that is after his draft day. So. He's a he's a different kid. He really is. He's he's the most. I tell him. I tell people this all the time. He is the most mentally strong individual I've ever met. And I've been around a lot of athletes. I've been around, you know, sports all my life. He is the most mentally strong person I've ever met. So, I I think that's where that's what's got him where he is today. And uh, he's just been able to you know, to progress um, through this crazy system we call baseball. And uh, and here he is with the Blue Jays, you know, with a chance to make an all-star team. Yeah, I mean, you might you might be a little biased, but it doesn't mean you're wrong, Bill. Uh, that that that's uh, that that is awesome uh, to to kind of hear you say that. And yeah, generally speaking, if you uh, you have to drag a kid inside from practicing as opposed to pushing them outside to do it, uh, that that always always bodes well. I did want to ask you just quickly before we let you go about your your own life. You mentioned the minor league stint there. Uh, I'm looking at some of the cities in Peoria. Okay, that's all understood. Oh, yeah. What was your life like as a 25? 
five-year-old and 24-year-old in Edmonton oh, that I'm seeing baby. right now. Uh, that must have been, I know you're from Illinois. This is not a, uh, you know, this is not a Cali kid going to Edmonton, but that must have been a bit of a culture shock for you. Well, it was it was different for sure. I mean, I grew up in eastern North Carolina and, uh, you know, a little town, 45,000 people in eastern North Carolina. And um, when you get to Edmonton, so we flew into Edmonton uh, out of spring training for the first time. We got on the bus and we were driving to the, to the uh, locker room and there was tinfoil on everybody's window. And we were like, what is going on? Is this a bomb shelter? What are we doing here? And so... You know, we we didn't think much about it. The sun went down late, you know, and then, of course, about 3.30 in the morning, the sun's up, and we're like, oh, now we understand why all the windows are covered. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so, but it was, you know, Edmonton was great for us. I mean, it was exciting because it was AAA. It was the next level for us. Um, And it was Wayne Gretzky's heyday. Yes. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, we would, during uh, hockey season, you know, we had suites, all along, you know, in the back of our, our uh, the old stadium there, and we, we were playing a baseball game, and everybody would be standing up, turning around, turned around, <laughs> looking at the TVs as the hockey team was playing, and we were like, "Hey, hey, we're, you know, we got a game going on here." It's, but you know, Wayne was Wayne was great. He would come out to the ballpark every now and then. But um, you know, Edmonton was was great. We lived out um, actually uh, out by the mall. And, our, you know, on road trips, we hated going on road trips, mm. the married guys, because the wives would hang out at the mall for, you Uh-oh. know, seven days. And <laughs> that, that's, that's, never, that's never good for a minor leaguer. Oh, never good funny. for a minor leaguer. So, but it was great. It was a great time. And then I got traded to Vancouver and was there for three mm-hmm. days. And, um, you know, but it was – we enjoyed Edmonton. We really did. Besides it being, you know, a three-and-a-half, four-day drive from home, it was uh, it was a – it was a great place for us to play. Well, as long as you're not an Oilers fan and you're a Leafs fan now with uh, Wit for the with the with the Blue Jays here, we'll accept it. That's right. <laughs> well, That's right. We, That's right. We appreciate you taking the time this morning. Great to chat, and, and we're really proud to have him on our team here. So gl- glad to have you in the fold as well. And maybe we'll see you down at the ballpark. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me, and uh, go Jays. Yes, go Jays. That's Bill Merrifield, uh, father of Whit Merrifield, and current assistant athletic director at Wake. Forest and former pro baseball player in Edmonton with the Gretzkys. You know, I saw the Canada on the old baseball reference page you and I figured, yeah, well, just, you know, let's see. You never know. And uh, of course, as all things in Canada lead to, uh, there's Wayne Gretzky, Gretzky story involved. Yeah. And Shocker. that's uh, it's the perfect way uh, to, to get us ready for tonight where the, the Toronto Blue Jays are back in action against the Oakland Athletics. So it's time to just continue to turn the ship around for the Jays. Um, they got Chris Bassett on the mound. Speaking of dads, that's nice. Big dad oh, weekend. Yeah. Dad right. central around here. Uh, yeah, Bassett looking to, to kind of get a bounce back and get some home cooking here as they have a three game series against the Athletics, and then the Giants, and then the Red Sox. And it is a big stretch, needing some big games, and see how Wit does after hearing Bill. On the radio. Got to gotta get that going in the clubhouse. Yes, I, I hope they were streaming it live. I know somebody who was. But go yeah. Jays, go. Yeah, there you go. Um, we are going to be joined now by our final guest on a Friday kicking off the weekend, Jeremy Case, Kansas Jayhawks assistant coach this morning. Glad to have you on the line. How's it going? 
It's going great. How are you guys doing? I appreciate you guys having me. Oh, we are so excited to have you because we've got uh, someone that you know quite well. We have the newest Toronto Raptor, Grady <laughs> Dick, joining us um, as of last night, 13th That's overall right. pick for the Raptors. So we got to get the full scouting report on the court because we know off the court he seems like a fun-loving character, and we've been living in the TikTok um, this morning. <laughs> but what's he like as a player, and what are the Raptors getting in the newest uh, for, uh, Toronto Raptor? Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys know the off the court because that dude is a goofy, goofy kid, man. He's, <laughs> he's really fun to be around. And uh, <clears throat> he made last year's season a lot of fun. And, you know, as a player, he's a competitor. You know, I, I feel like that in this whole draft, I think he's the best shooter um, in the draft. You know, he's 6'8", he's got a high release, he's got a, a smooth touch. But the one thing that a lot of people don't know is he can really finish around the rim and uh, has more game than what I think he's shown uh, last year. Yeah. What's it like working with, uh, with a player at, especially at the college level who has such an important skill. And it's not to say that it can't be worked on, you know, I'm sure the guy works on his shooting all the time, but oh, yeah. this is not something you need to build like you would with other players. Potentially. Do you steer into it as a strength? Do you try to make him a war, a more well-rounded player? You know, it's a, it's a bit of a unique thing in college to have a guy who already has such an important skill set, almost kind of finished yeah. or almost NBA level. Yeah, well, you know, you try to kind of break it down, and you break it down. We, what we did with Tim was we broke it down into kind of segments. Okay, you got your catch and shoot, and then you got your shots off the move, and then you got your shots where somebody's kind of hanging off, off over you and you're trying to get over a screen, those type of stuff. So we just kind of broke it down. We didn't really mess with the release or the form. We just broke it down into different types of shots that he needed to get better at with footwork and those type of things. Yeah, so the shooting's certainly something that we've all been excited about this morning, learning about the newest Toronto Raptor. But in terms of, of your experience with him, is there an area that he's going to focus on maybe this offseason and early in his NBA career that could can use a little, you know, a little emphasis? Because he's a young guy who's just a freshman and he's coming into the Toronto yeah. uh, uh, Toronto Raptors organization. He's he's got a little bit of space to grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I would I would say the one thing that we you know, we really worked worked hard with him. What was his foot speed and defensively, um, which he got better at, and he tried and he worked hard at it. Um, but that would be one area that he would definitely need to get better at. But I would say, offensively, would be his ball handling. <clears throat> his ball handling and shooting off the dribble would be something I would say offensively that he could get better at in the offseason. You know, what other thing that you, you would have a good handle on just seeing him up close and personal every day that I think, you know, we can sit there and I can look at him and I can understand he is 6'6", he weighs whatever he weighs, but does he does he seem like somebody who can, you know, pack on some weight as he matures? You know, this was such a big topping, talking point with Wembenyama, and obviously, you know, no one wants to turn him yeah. into Shaq, but this is always a thing with younger <laughs> players trying to mature yeah. as they go into the the league how do you think his frame will kind of adapt to the maturing that's going to happen physically and and hopefully you you would uh, hope adding some muscle as he gets deeper into his 20s yeah you know i think you you hit it on the head with, with once he as he matures i think his frame is going to be fine you know we we talked about that a lot uh wanting him to kind of gain some weight you know throughout the time he was here but he just wasn't here long enough for us to really put it on him mm -hmm. so we tried to emphasize strength okay so we're not really gaining a ton of weight so let's try to get stronger get our core stronger and and, and that way we're not getting pushed around a ton but but he definitely can add some add some muscle uh, which i'm sure he will once he once he gets going out with you guys
We're speaking with Jeremy Case, Kansas Jayhawks assistant coach. Um, so we know the on-court scouting. Let's talk about the off-court because he seems, as we mentioned, already making a presence with the Toronto Raptors fan base. And he's got an energy, a personal vibe that seems extremely unique. So as a locker room guy, what's it like having someone around there that is just bold and himself and brings energy, I'm sure, day in and day out and maybe helps those around him continue to love the sport of basketball? Yeah, it, it's fun. And, and you know, See, the season becomes a grind, and you, you hit little skids throughout the year. And, and you know, once you get to these skids, but you have you have a guy like him in the locker room that just kind of makes everything fun. You know, it, it could be one of those times where we may have lost two in a row, or we need, you know, we're struggling here and there, and and, and you have somebody with that type of personality, kind of just brings energy to the room. And that, that's kind of what he did. And, and that's what was exciting to be around him is, you know, we always tell our guys is you're, you're either energy taker or energy giver. And he was one of those energy givers at all times. <laughs> um, we enjoyed him. <laughs> is there one story that you can leave us with um, about a, a road trip or something behind the scenes that we can keep in the fan base could know uh, before we're fully introduced to him? Uh, I don't know if I can pinpoint one. You know, it's just you know, it's just one of those one of those guys that you just always remember being around, and mm-hmm. you know, he's he's just funny. It, it could be a close game, and and we're coming out of a timeout, and he he walks over and he'll say something goofy, and you're like, dude, <laughs> we're up two with like a minute to go, man. Can you kind of focus. <laughs> you know, he just made it just he just made it fun, and 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 uh, you know, he didn't ever take it just too serious. He always had fun with it which was enjoying. It was, it was fun to coach him. It really was. Well, we're really excited to get to know him. Um, I appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck this upcoming season. And maybe we'll get a, a mid-season report uh, from you and your squad and, and us on, on, Gr- on Grady's uh, journey with the Raptors. That'd be great. I'd love to do it. Perfect. Thanks so you much. Guys having me. Have a wonderful weekend. That's Jeremy Case, Kansas Jayhawks assistant coach, and had to spend some time with the newest Toronto Raptor, Grady Dick. All right, we got a couple minutes left here. We should wrap up, do a wake and rake before our Friday really begins. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Ailish and Gunner for today, and then next week it's Gunner and Justin all week long as I will be in We gotta get Shailene Nashville. in the booth. I'm around yeah. enough. We gotta get There's Shailene in the booth. There's gotta be a different yeah. button for when you're yeah. around. We you have got, the yum, yum, even, yum. You know what? Just let me do it. I Just the super like, and Gunner! There, I like. That was... Eh, can work on it a bit this oh, oh, weekend. Oh, okay. They can't afford me Try, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you're too expensive. Too expensive. Um, okay, so I'm riding with the Toronto Blue Jays tonight. It is a big weekend here. Back home after three straight series on the road. And not maybe the most favorable of outcomes, going four and five, but uh, three different cities, three bigger opponents that they just face. And they're home against the Oakland Athletics, who are 19 and 58. Your Blue Jays kicked that off tonight with Chris Bassett on the mound. So I am going Blue Jays run line against the Oakland Athletics. There's not a lot of value tonight because they're very, very heavy favorites, but I'm just looking for a continued winning streak here. For me, I got to be honest. I'm, I am a man of the people. I will be honest with you. Did not put a ton of thought into this one, <laughs> but we're going Braves straight up <laughs> on the money line. Yep. Over the Reds. I didn't even look at the pitching matchup because there's just no way the Reds are going to win 11 games in a row. Now I pull up the pitching matchup and I feel great about it. The Reds have Luke Weaver on the bump. 647 ERA this year. AJ Smith-Scheuer shoving for the Braves. 
203 ERA. Uh, okay. Limited work, but 20 strikeouts in the in those innings. So uh, I'm feeling great about it. And how is it only 155? I'm a genius. Nailed that pick. <laughs> I will say the Reds have been a very fun story to cover over the last little while. You know, they obviously have this young upstart team. They got Joey Votto. They got so much excitement mm-hmm. happening over there. But things come to an end, right? Like they, they got to... They got to lose a, a game sometime, and it might be tonight. It will be. Okay. Well, then there you go. You heard it here first. Gunner knows. Braves on the money line. So let's go through a couple submissions here before we say goodbye. Uh, Neil in Newfoundland's back in the text line. Good to see you, Neil. Uh, back with a tennis pick. He's going uh, Bautista Agut to win at least a set versus Medvedev. Bautista. I'm just going to go with Bautista. No, you, you nailed it. Yeah, Bautista Agut. Okay. Yeah. A former sportscaster there had to go. at least feign familiarity I with tennis I love that. Games. He's got a 4-2 record against Medvedev and has been playing lights out this week on the grass. Also, it's a very good value bet for him to win outright at 250. So he's going to he's gonna pick uh, to win at least one set, but said you could still get a money line win too. I love a, I love a, here's what I really think, but I'm a coward and I'm not throwing stones. I do this all the time yeah. of like, I wish I had the stones to bet this. <laughs> here, take a safer version of this bet and go do it. So we got Corey from Port Hope here who, Texted this in before 5 a.m. So, so Corey woke ding, ding, up, ding. and first thing he did was grab his phone to text in the wake rate pick. I like to think uh, chat GPT and AI <laughs> was involved in this. I think it's an automated thing. I no think it way. hacks in Corey his brain and massive, gets, to the, gets to the phone. Massive fan. He's going for the wake and rate pick today, taking the Orioles money line versus Seattle. Love the Orioles at home with Gibson on the mound. That's a good one as well. Um, Will from Niagara says, what up, Ailish and Gunner? Wake and Rake, I'll take Tampa on the run line, minus one and a half. Kansas City is not good at baseball. And the Rays are putting on a master class. Have a good weekend. I wonder if he knows about the drama with Wander Franco and if mm. that changes anything because I, I it thought, might be scary in there. I thought they just heard the interview with uh, Witt's dad and they're like, how could a team ever recover after losing somebody you from might that be onto lineage? Something. Yeah. Um, last one here is uh, Luis Arias over one and a half total bases. That's Tim from Allison. That's like, phenomenal. I just have to say, like, if we're if we're strictly picking on the best bet, that's the one I feel the best about. Well, I'll let you decide then. Do you want to go no, with uh, our, Corey from Port yeah, Hope our, who woke up yeah. nice and early? Okay. Our man <laughs> texting the text line before my alarm has gone off. Yes, he gets yeah, his pick in the deserves, wake right? He deserves to be in it. Okay, so let me parlay that up. You've got... The Braves on the money line. Yeah. I've got the Blue Jays on the run line, and we've got Baltimore on the money line. That's plus five, a 416. So, you know, it's just a simple win yep. for your Friday. Yeah. Looking forward to that. There's some minuses in there. Again, Tim Tim from Alliston, couple things. Love that bet and love the people of Alliston. I got yeah. family up there. You're a big Alliston oh, yeah. guy, eh? Yeah, the Pritchards up in Alliston. It's from me, okay? I'm that. a gunning. That's the other side. Okay, well, next week when I'm off and I'm in uh, Vegas, you uh, Vegas, the opposite in, of in the other in the other <laughs> Vegas, Nashville. You will have to make sure you're talking to the Hamlets because the Hamlets are something very important and close to my heart, and I will miss the Hamlets. I I will not claim to be as well versed as you, but I I I'd argue I love them almost as Just much. Just make sure you encourage them. Well, because the thing, share their love. And the thing is, is if you have a golf course, there's a good chance I've been to your Hamlet as well. So I it. love a so random you, Hamlet golf course. We want to do um, Know Your Hamlet, um, Hamlet Unknown, <laughs> Rinks Unknown, but we could also do it with a golf course version. Like uh, You could t- have the summer version, I have the winter version. I do like this. Uh, Tim and Allison wants me to come up for Potato Fest. Hell I, yeah. I got to be honest. Did not know that was a thing. What? Come on, let's go to Potato I, Festival. I do love a tater in all shapes and shapes and forms. Potato Festival is, uh, is, a, is a massive staple august 11th 12th and 13th and you know what one of those days is our other co-host's birthday Mm. justin cuthbert so we could get him a gift to the allison potato festival on his birthday 
Sounds like an excellent Hamlet Everyone content. Everyone listening behind the glass, let's chip in. <laughs> chip in, get it? Chip. Oh. Somehow, that, somehow that was the best pun today on the night of the Brady Dick draft. Yeah. On that note, we should say goodbye. Yeah, so Gunner filling in next week with Justin. There will be one day where you're at the at the uh, golf tournament, um, the Joe Carter. Yes, I will be bringing my golf clubs and forcing them to Wednesday. let me play. Yes, I love that. So you guys will broadcast live on Wednesday from the Joe Carter golf tournament. I'll join one day from uh, Nashville during the draft. It'll be exciting. You can, cover, uh, you can see all that stuff on the coverage on Sportsnet, and I'll be back the week after. It'll be July when I'm back. Wild. Scary stuff. But thanks for filling in today. And it'll be Gunner and Cuthbert all next week, and I'll chat with everyone soon. Mm, yum, 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 yum.